0: I'm a new pastoral intern here at Lincoln. I just started the, in the month of December, and what, what an awesome hymn was that, uh, the, the last one, Come Let Us Adore Thee. I mean, that's, that's the reason uh, for this season right now, that, that God came down in humanity to be with us and to save us from our sins. I mean, that's what I'm going to talk about today in the, in the book of Matthew, if you want to turn there. Um, this time, it's always a, this time of year is always a time of anticipation. We're always excited. There's a bunch of stuff happening. Uh, we have family coming to visit. Uh, I'm always excited about the food. Uh, my grandmother makes awesome food. You guys know my grandma Bonnie. Uh, she's, she's here most of the time. But she makes awesome food. And I, I always just get excited to go be with her and my family. Um, there's anticipation of giving and receiving of gifts. But today I want to talk about a different type of anticipation. I want to talk about the long-awaited arrival of our King Jesus and Him coming to the world. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, that's where we'll be. Starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, And they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And they called his name Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Uh, Dear Heavenly Father God, uh, we're just excited to be in your house today. Uh, We're excited for this time of year when we we remember your long-awaited anticipation, God, that, that you came as a baby to be with us. Oh, We just thank you for that, God, that, that you would come to save us sinners. Um, just, just stir up in our hearts a desire to, to, to love this text and to listen to this text. Uh, God, I pray that you would move today and that you would, uh, that you would, you would help me to, to preach, uh, God, and, and just uh, bring, excite us. God, excite our hearts for this word. Uh, what an awesome word that, that you would come to save us and come to be with us, God, that you would leave glory. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Um, the birth of Jesus Christ. All right, um, the book of Matthew is written around 70 AD. The other day I was rehearsing and I said 1970s. And I don't think that's, that's quite right. But it was written around 70 AD to the Jewish people. And it was written um, to convey that the, Ma- the Messiah was coming. Uh, Chris, last week we watched a video, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's just an awesome video. And I think that's what Matthew's about. It's saying, hey, all the prophecies from the Old Testament, everything from the Old Testament is bound up in the man Jesus Christ. I think that's what the Bible's about. It's saying that Jesus has come to be with us. And um, uh, our, our our passage here, it's written in a, a chronological, historical manner. And it's a narrative. And that's how the whole book of Matthew is written. And that's kind of how we're going to handle our text today. We're going to walk through it in a chronological order as a narrative because that's what it is. Um, so the first thing we see is the betrothal and the virgin birth. That's the first thing that we come to. In verse 18, it says... When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we have here is the betrothal. Um, there's, there's several steps in, in the Jewish culture. Uh, when someone would, is going to get married, um, they would, there would be a, there's the engagement, the betrothal, and then marriage proper. So there's these kind of three steps. Um, the, the Jewish people took marriage very seriously. And the first step we have in the engagement. Uh, oftentimes it was uh, pre-arranged marriages. The parents would would set the kids up when they were younger. Uh, that that would make me nervous. I mean, I, having my mom pick someone out for me, she'd probably try to find someone just like her. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. That would be a blessing. That would be a blessing. But um, but anyways, they, in, in the culture they would they would do that. So they would uh, they would set up these marriages, and and that's what the engagement was. It was just saying someday these two will be together. Um, the betrothal was something more serious. That was a a legal ratification of the engagement. So the people would be um, engaged. And then when the betrothal came around, it was like, it was a legal document. So when that happened, uh, they were considered to be married, although they didn't have any of the rights of marriage because the ceremony hadn't taken place. So that's where we find Mary in this story. and, And we see that presents a problem. Um, Marriage proper. This is when they uh, they get married. The bride finally gets to have her wedding day, and the groom finally gets to have his bride. Uh, They get to be together. They get to consummate the marriage. They get to have children and just start their family and their life together. But we find uh, in our story, we find Mary in the state of betrothal. So we see that why that would present a problem because um, they don't have the rights of a married couple yet. She's found to be with child in this period. So. That would, uh, that would look as if the child was conceived out of sin. And we know that that would mean that he couldn't be God if he was conceived out of a sinful act. So, what we have here is we have the bringing of God in a very, very holy and sacred way. So, um, let's see. The, the virgin birth, this is our next, the, the first point we come to, um, it's supernatural. The person of Jesus Christ is a miraculous being, he's completely man and completely God. Okay, so the, I, when, we, when we think of this, this isn't something ordinary that happened. Um, this is one of the hardest miracles for people to believe and understand. Uh, this, I, I know this is one of the most made fun of on, on TV and uh, some of my friends even. Uh, it's one of the most mocked miracles. It's, it's really hard to believe. I think in light of the whole Bible, it shouldn't be that way. Um, we have Jesus Christ, all man, all God. Jesus in his being is a, mirac- a, a miracle, I mean, he's, he's God and he's the God man. He stepped down to save us. He is a miracle. Um, if in if his ministry, all his works are miraculous. You know, he, he healed the, uh, the blind people. He healed sick people. He, he caused dead people. He told Lazarus, hey, get up out of your grave and come. You know, if, if he did all that in, in, his, in his ministry, if this ministry was all that of uh, miraculous. And, and also, if in his death, something very miraculous happened. And in his raising from the dead, something very miraculous happened. And his, in his ascension, also something supernatural happened. Why would his birth be any different? It would be something that, that stirs up in us an urge to worship God. And, and to, to, to just want to just be in awe of him and, and cause us to glorify him with our lives. And I think that's what the virgin birth does. Um, the rejection of the miracle of this, it's not a small thing to reject Jesus as virgin born. Um, if you reject that, you reject him as God. Um, and that, that, that's what it is. If, if, uh, if, he's, if he was born in a way that uh, every man was born, he's just another man. He's not God. And I think that when uh, men start to pick and choose uh, what they want to believe out of the Bible, when they, when they say, oh, I'll take this. I, I don't mind Jesus paying for my sins, but I don't think he was, you know, virgin born. Then you're setting yourself above God and the authority of Scripture. And that's a really scary place to be. When we think of Jesus' birth... We're not to think of this as his his beginning, but rather as his incarnation. Um, Christ is the eternal God became man. The birth of Jesus is not the beginning, it's the arriving. This is a little hard for us to understand because we all have a beginning. Uh, My brother Chris and I, we are born on the 24th of December, which is tomorrow. So we have a start. You know, I, I can say I'm 25 years old because I've been around for 25 years. Okay, so I had a start, I had a, a point, I began. Uh, this is not so with Jesus. Jesus is eternal God came down to be with us. So this is his arrival, not his birth. All right, and, and this is exactly what our, our passage tells us in verse 23. It says. Uh, It's a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. It tells us, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, The gospel of John also says the exact same thing in John chapter 1. If you want to turn over there, it's just a few books over in your Bible. And we're going to go verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to jump down to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the word was with God. <clears throat> he was in the beginning with God. All things that were made were made through him. And without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of the men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And then jump down to 14. And the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he from whom I said, He comes after me, but ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's side. He made him known. All right, so uh, what, what this does in the book of John and in the book of Isaiah is it just reaffirms what uh, our passage is saying in Matthew. Jesus is eternal God, and he, he arrives. He shows up to man. This is not Jesus' beginning. And I just want to make that clear. All right, the, the next thing we see as we just walk down through the scripture is in verses 18 and verses 20, it tells us that Jesus is from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is causally active in the birth of Jesus, and that's what I want to look at next. In verse 18 and uh, verse 20, it says, if I can find it. It says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take Mary as your wife, for that which conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Um, so, so here we find that the birth of Jesus occurs because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active. So what I want to do is I want to kind of just we, – we know the Holy Spirit is a bringer of things like truth and, and stuff like that. I want to see how that's played out in the birth of Jesus and, and in the life of Jesus. So the first thing we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit brings truth. Okay, The Holy Spirit has always been a bringer of truth. Uh, In in all the the times of the Old Testament, we know that the Holy Spirit, um, he gives words to prophets. He he tells them what to say uh, on on behalf of him. Um, We know that the Holy Spirit has been with men of God and he's he's commanded them what to say and what to do. Um, We we think of uh, the interpretation of dreams and how God just reveals truth to people. So we know that the Holy Spirit is a bringer of truth. And I believe that he does that as well by bringing about Jesus because Jesus is truth. So that's that's how I think those tie together. Jesus is truth. Um, Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the only person who can say, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. He's the only man who can tell us what God is like and what God expects of us. Um, Before the coming of Jesus, we only have shadowy and vague ideas of what God was like. But in the coming down of the man Jesus, there's no need to guess anymore. We can now see uh, perfectly through Christ's perfect life what, what we're to be like. Uh, Christ is an awesome example. like he, Well, he's the perfect example of, of how we should live our lives. As Christian, we're to reflect God's image. So we can look at his life and we can say, that's the standard and I fall so short of it. So that's what it does. Uh, because Jesus reveals truth, that reveals sin in our lives. So the next point we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. In the bringing of truth, we see what is right and the way things should be. This is this occurs and it shows us how fall of uh, or how short we fall of God's expectations. Um, I don't like to be wrong, like ever. I, I know it's pride in me and I know it's wrong, but I uh, I, I will uh, you know I'll fight to the death over something like even a really goofy point that doesn't matter. If my friends and I are talking about like how many calories are in like a foot long chili cheese dog or something that doesn't even make sense, you know I'll bust out my phone and Google it and j- just to prove that I'm right. And I know that's silly, but I, I do that. Um, And do you ever, have you ever had that feeling of realization when you're like your whole idea of something collapses, you kind of, you take these points and you, you stick them together and you have this whole argument, you know, formulated and you, well, this is this way because this, this, and this, and then someone like just, you know, throws this big truth bomb on you and it, you know it blows up your whole idea and then you realize, hey, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. So I have that happen all the time, and I think that's what that, that's what Christ does uh, uh, and the Holy Spirit does is He opens our eyes. He shows us where He's flawed or where we're flawed. Um, Jesus opens our eyes also. Uh, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. The life of Jesus is the perf- perfect examples of what we should strive to be like. Um, we're all the profe- we're all perfect professionals at pulling the wools over uh, other people's eyes. We like, to, uh, we like to pretend we're, we're better than we actually are. We like to, we're really deceitful. Uh, it's, and it's not hard to, to, to convince yourself you're a good person. All you have to do is find someone who's a joke and pull them beside you. And then you look really good, you know. Uh, it's, uh, people, people, you know, like they'll pull out like, you know, someone like Hitler or someone really bad. And they'll stand up, then I'm up beside themselves and be like, hey, I'm a pretty good guy. Look, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done this. And we all like to do that and pretend we're better than we actually are. Um, I, I think uh, the, the funny thing is when Christ does this to us and he pulls us beside him, it kind of, it, it, it puts things in perspective of, of how wicked we actually are. When, when you stand up, uh, when, when you put something flawed next to something perfect, all the imperfections are just made known. And I think that's what happens when, when Christ comes down. He comes down and he lives the life that we're incapable of living. And when he does that, he shows us, man, this is the standard and you fall so short of it. And, and I think that's what Christ does. Him and the Holy Spirit, they both open, they open our eyes to our sin. Um, the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. This is the chief purpose of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 16 verse 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes down, He will guide you to walk in truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare it to you, things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, the, the Holy Spirit brings, uh, brings glory to Christ by, by just showing Him to us. Uh, his revelation of Christ to us is, is glorifying to Christ. So, when He steps down, when Christ steps down into humanity, uh, all the Holy Spirit has to do is point to Christ. And that's just going to cause glory because he is glorious. He's naturally glorious. He's gonna, that's going to stir up in us emotion and excitement because our God is awesome. Um, Jesus' name is his mission. These next two verses, these are the key verses in the passage. Uh, this, is, this is the big picture. This is what the, the passage is all about. And, and I think this is what the Bible is all about as well. Um, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save the people from his sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, The name of Jesus is from the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, meaning Jehovah is salvation. In these uh, two verses, we have the arrival of Jesus, and we're also given uh, the mission of Jesus, the reason why he came to be with us. Uh, that he will save his people from their sins. Uh, what does this mean? Uh, we've already talked a little bit about uh, how how bad we, we really are and what kind of shape we're in, and the fact that we need a savior. And we've talked about when uh, when Jesus comes down and lives in perfection. This this reveals in us our sin. Um, so what are we to do with that? Um, we have this this you know this huge problem of sin and, and debt, and we can't pay it off. You know, it, it's my sin. And, and I'm responsible for it, but I, I can't do anything with it. So, so what am I to do with that? Um, I, I just want to look at Second at, um, Corinthians five verse twenty one. Um, if, if you like, if you're a person that highlights your Bible and marks it all up, this is an amazing verse. Uh, this is what happens on the, the cross at Calvary, and I just think this is is one of the one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to read that again. I love this verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What an awesome verse, really. I mean, um, Martin Luther calls this verse the great exchange, and, and rightly so. It's the ultimate picture of Christ's love for us. It's Jesus coming down completely and taking all of our sin. Um, and, and, you know, if you're a Christian, you're born again, that means it's all covered. That means, that, like, uh, any malice in your heart, uh, any envy, any greed, uh, lustful thoughts. When you're born again in Christ, he takes those. It's, it's imputation. He takes those upon him, and he gives you his righteousness. And that, that's just a beautiful thing. And this is ex- exactly what happens uh, on the cross at Calvary. Um, I, wanna, I just want to pick apart this verse uh, just because I love it so much, and I think it's just uh, theologically rich with what Christ does for us. Um, so we're just going to take it and, and pick it apart. For our sake. What does for our sake mean? Um, well, that means because we're, we're hopeless. Uh, for our sake, if someone says that, well, I'm doing this for your sake, it means that you're weak and that you can't do it on your own. And I think that's what it means for our sake uh, because we're, we're a joke and we need God to save us. We, we're, we're incapable of living a life of perfection, but Christ is. Um, so uh, w- when we try to do stuff under our own steam, when we try to live a life that, that is pleasing to God under our own steam, you can only go one of two ways. You can go to pride or despair. That's the only two ways when you try to do stuff on your own steam. So um, I want everybody just right now to, to pick a sin that you struggle with. Just think of it in your mind, a sin that you really have a hard time with. And if you're, tell, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Daniel, I don't have any sins that I struggle with. I don't, I don't have well, you Well, yours can be pride. Okay, well, let's use that one. So, um, to, and you'll, you'll be on the same page with me. But um, we'll, we'll just use loving your wife well. Um, I I think that's something that all men should strive to do. So uh, we're just going to use that. Let's say that you realize, okay, I have an issue loving my wife well. I, I don't treat her like I ought to. And, and I, need to, I need to do a better job at that. So you say, man, I can't do it, but okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to handle this thing. So you, you, you start walking this way and you're like, all right, I'm cultivating my relationship with my wife. I'm loving her. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm being kind to her. I'm being the man she wants me to be. And then you know, you're doing good. Well, that produces pride in yourself if you're doing it under your own steam. And then you say, okay, I, I've got this. I, I did this. And that causes you to be in a, stem, a sinful state because you're your own functional savior. But what happens is eventually, because we're all flawed, we mess up. You know, like, you know, our our wife, you know, she does something that irritates us and we give her the cold shoulder. We're hateful to her. We stop pursuing her. And then we end back up over here living in despair. You're like, man, I was, I thought I could do it, but I can't. I, 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 can't, I can't do it. I can't love my wife like I, I should under my own steam. And then and then we, we live in this kind of, this, this glum of despair. And then we say, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to man up and I'm going to do it. So then we walk back over here and we start loving her again and we start pursuing her again. And we do good for a while and that builds up in us pride. And we say, look what I've done. And then we fall back. We mess up. And we live in this state of going, going into despair and then going into pride and then going into despair. That's a terrible way to live. That's the... That's, I, I mean, it's, it's hopeless uh, it, to, to live uh, a life that produces pride and, and you're your own functional savior and then you mess up because you can't be your own functional savior and you're in living gloom. Uh, what a terrible way to live. Um, so what do we do about this? Uh, for our sake, uh, why? Because we're pathetic and we need Jesus. Uh, he made him. Uh, this is Jesus, so we got to give that. Uh, we can't handle it, so we got to give it to someone who can. We got to give it to the to the strong man, the one who's capable of handling our sin. That being Jesus Christ. So me, he made him Jesus Christ, a completely sinless God, became man to be sin who knew no sin. Um, man, these next two verses—they're imputation. Uh, it's, it's, that's why that's why Martin Luther calls it the Great Exchange. This is Christ taking. All of, all of your wickedness, all of your sin, uh, like I said a while ago, this, you know, your greed, your envy, your malice, your hatred, all that. He takes that when you become born again, and he takes that and he kills it on the cross. He takes the wrath of God for your sin, and, and he takes care of it, and he clothes you in his righteousness. That's, I mean, that is a great exchange. What an awesome gift for Christ to, to give you his righteousness and take your filth. <clears throat> So what we have here is, uh, I, I want to just think of, on this point for a little bit uh, of Christ taking on our wickedness. What, is that, what does that fully imply? Um, you know, uh, the apostle Paul was a murderer of Christians. That means his life was dramatically changed by Christ and his relationship with him. So what that means is that on the cross, Jesus became as wicked as Paul. And that's, that's an amazing thing to think about. That means that a rapist that has been transformed and changed by the grace of God, that God became that disgusting on the cross when he had your sin. I mean, just think of the implications of that. A, a murderer, a, a porn addict. For those people who've been changed by the grace of God, that that was on the cross. Jesus bore the wrath of God for all those sins. I mean, how amazing is that, that our, our God loves us that much, that the most holy, perfect pure person, Jesus, to ever live, um, that that the Lord had to turn away because all of our filth was on him. I mean, that's an amazing truth. Um, So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Through Jesus Christ alone, salvation can be found by no merit of your own, not by coasting off your parents' faith or, or your church's faith, so what we have here is, is that uh, you, you, the only way you can do this is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wherein your assurance is in Christ and, and his life and death on the cross. And that dramatically changes your life. So I, I just, I, again I just want to bring up that, that point of imputation. God takes... Takes your junk and he gives you his righteousness. That righteousness is a right standing with God. And what an awesome gift for God to give us that that we can be seen uh, seen as pure by the God of the universe because God took His wrath for us, or because Jesus took God's wrath for us. And um, and and then and we all know the rest of the story. God He raised again from the dead and, and right now He sits on the throne in heaven, uh, righteous as and glorious as, as He ever ever has been. He intercedes for us and that's awesome. So. Uh, as we finish here today, um, my, my Christmas present to you is finishing a lot earlier than the other pastors. I mean, that's my gift to you. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not capable of setting up here and going as long as they do, but you guys probably appreciate that. Um, but as we go to be with our families for Christmas, I just want to remind you what this sermon and this passage and the season is about. Um, it's about our God showing up. He actively steps down into humanity and, and he, he goes to the cross and he, he lives a life that we're incapable of living. He dies a death that he didn't have to die, and he, he dies a death that he, he wasn't responsible for those sins. He gives us a righteousness that's not our own, and then he, um, he, bears, he bears the wrath of God that was ours to bear. I mean, what, a, what an awesome God that we serve, and what, what awesome truths that, that, he would, that he would love us so much that he would step down into humanity, that he would come as a baby and, and, and experience everything that we have to experience um, it, as a form to give us salvation from the sins that, that hold us. Um, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, uh, we're just excited to be in your house today, God. Uh, we're excited for the loving God that you are. Uh, we thank you for sending your son, God. Uh, help us to celebrate that well this time of year, that, that you would step down in humanity to save us, wicked sinners, God. Uh, just producing us a a, a faith and, and a life that that longs to glorify you God that longs to to make much of the name of Jesus uh, let us do that well with our families as we as we sit around and eat and fellowship together that we would just uh, that we would just speak of you God that we re- would rejoice that you did show up God and that we we would anticipate the day that you show up again and you fully make things right we thank you for bearing the burden of our sin. And we thank you for, for destroying it on the cross. That, that we don't have to live in that anymore. That now we can live lives that, that glorify Christ. And we can live lives that, that, uh, that are righteous. But not, not under our own steam, God, but under yours. In your name we pray. Amen.